Good morning and welcome to the River of Life Sunday Morning Podcast. If you're local to Wakulla County, we'd love to see you and worship with you in person. May God bless you and we hope you enjoy the sermon. And I am so glad to announce my mentor, friend, and my pastor, Pastor Henry Jones, to come to the stage. Thank you, Pastor. (laughs) I love calling him Pastor. That just feels so good. And by the way, I am enjoying my semi-retirement right now. And uh, it's been fun. And uh, God is blessing. And I have uh, truly been looking forward to being back in the pulpit and, and speaking to you guys. But I may need your help before the service is over. Would everybody just say right out loud, stop. Okay, for 17 years, and we are creatures of habit, aren't we? For 17 years, I have finished my message, and I have walked right over here, and I have walked down the steps. You bring a new pastor in, he changes everything. They have moved the steps. So here we go, let's practice. If I forget and I start here, you're going to say, Thank you, thank you. Okay, all right, that's, that's what I needed to, to hear. Oh, man, I tell you what, isn't it good to be in the house of the Lord? Oh, the singing, the worship, the presence of God. Uh, uh, this is fun. This is, this is fun. Hey, I want to quote a scripture to you. And uh, I want you to listen to it. And then I want you to try to figure out where it is in the Bible. Okay? And this is an open book test. So, uh, so, so just listen up. I shall not die but live and declare the works of the Lord. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord through which the righteous shall enter. You have heard me, you've answered my prayer and you have become my salvation. Wow, wow. That's a, that's an amazing scripture, isn't it? Old Testament or New Testament? Which book in the Old Testament? The book of Psalms. All right. Now, which chapter? Chapter 19? No, that was a guess, wasn't it? Yeah. Don't play the lottery today. It's not going to work. Yeah. (laughs) Psalm 118. Psalm 118 is, is amazing. It is amazing. Uh, did you know that the book of, of Psalms is a book of poetry? Poetry and songs. And it's been said that poetry is the science of the soul. And it's true. And especially when you're talking about divine inspired poetry. Uh, when you read the poetic verses in God's word, it will dig deep into your heart and soul. It will encourage you. Uh, it will enlighten you. It will strengthen you. It will give you hope. I tell you the truth. I, I memorized this probably 30 years ago. And I can tell you that when I've been going through a difficult time, when the enemy's been in full attack mode, I have stood on the word of God. Right here, Psalm 118. By the way, there's some other great verses in Psalm 118. And one of them you're very familiar with. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. So I want you to listen again. 
And we'll just kind of walk through. And if you've got your Bibles open, you'll find these verses. I, I think I'm starting in verse 17, Psalm 118, verse 17. But this is what he says. He says, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. This is a bold statement, isn't it? It's a positive statement. He's making a positive confession. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. He's making a positive confession. I shall not die. King David, whom most of the scholars believe penned the words of Psalm 118, was often in life and death situations. He was in many, many situations where he could have died, where he could have been killed. The enemy was trying to take him out. But David refused to cooperate with the enemy who was trying to kill him. Can I just stop right here and encourage somebody here today? Stop cooperating with the enemy who's trying to take you out. Rather than cooperate with the enemy, you should be confessing the word of God. And sometimes that requires a bold confession. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. Now, it's amazing to me. I've known this for many years, but I'm still shocked at at this scripture that tells us that we can choose between life and death. Did you know you don't have to be a victim? You can choose between life and death. One scripture says death and life are in the power of the tongue. There's power in the spoken word. You can choose to cooperate with the enemy and speak death, or you can cooperate with the word of God and get in sync with God's word and confess life. A couple of scriptures, one out of the Old Testament, one out of the New Testament. Deuteronomy 30, 19. These are the words of God spoken through the prophet. I call heaven and earth to witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Do you understand that you not only have the the power of choice, choosing between death and life, but God encourages us to choose life. And then in John 11, 25 uh, and 26, Jesus said, this is New Testament now, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me, say it with me, shall never die. And then I love the way it ends. Believest thou, do you believe this? It's hard to believe sometimes, isn't it? Uh, Sometimes the Bible seems too good to be true, but this is true. Jesus wanted us to believe this, that if we live and believe in him, we shall never die. Paul said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. I have, I've had this in my files for many, many years, but it's worth reading again. The great evangelist D.L. Moody, who preached over a hundred years ago, was at a crusade one night and a large crowd was there. And this is what he said to the crowd. Someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody of East Northfield is dead. Don't you believe a word of it? At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher. That is all. Out of this old clay tenement into the house that is immortal. A body that death cannot touch. That sin cannot taint. A body fashioned like unto his glorious body. Oh, happy day. Wow. Wow. What a, what a, great, what a great statement. So child of God, I want to encourage you. And by the way, if you're not a child of God, please, 
uh, make some arrangements today before you leave here so that you can say I'm a child of God. But child of God, I just want to tell you right now, when death gets in your face, and you do understand that if you're a child of God, you have a very real enemy and he wants to hurt you. He wants to hinder you. He wants to kill you. He wants to take you out. When death gets in your face, I'm asking you this morning, why not? Why not stand on the word of God? Why not look into the face of death and say, I shall not die, but I will live and declare the works of the Lord. Why not? Why not stand on the word of God? I shall not die. I have come to that time in my life, not just retirement, but I've come to the time in my life when I've started thinking about my own funeral. Every now and then somebody will say, I've got all my funeral arrangements made. And I haven't made any funeral arrangements, but I've started thinking about it. And so one of the things I'm thinking about, you can tell me what you think about this, but I'm, I'm thinking about preparing a sign and giving it to my children and telling them to lay that sign right on my chest when I'm in the casket. And when people walk by and look at me, this is what I want them to see in big letters. I did not die. I am not dead. I'm just no longer in this old worn out body anymore. By the way, I'm going to put a PS down there. Hope to see you soon. <laughs> yeah. That'll probably happen. The word of God is a weapon of warfare. Jesus used it when dealing with the enemy. It is a weapon of warfare. And we should use it when the enemy comes against us. You see, friends, David said, I shall not die. Jesus said, you shall not die. You and I can say, I shall not die. I, I'm just saying Friends, if you wake up every morning, just try it for a week. Just test it out. Wake up every morning and say, I shall not die, but I will live today and declare the works of the Lord. Just make that one positive confession. It'll change your day and probably change your life. Now, now not only does he make this, this bold and positive confession, he also is very honest about how he got to that confession. Uh, he says, I stand corrected. Listen to this. The Lord has chastened me severely, but he has not given me over to death. The Lord has chastened me severely. The Hebrew word for chastening means to punish. It means to discipline. It carries with it the idea of inflicting pain and suffering. David is acknowledging. He, he's, he's, he's saying, I stand corrected and it's God who's corrected me. David is saying that it's the hand of God that's against me. This is not the work of the enemy. This is the hand of God that's against me. Now, we live in a day and a time when it is frowned upon for us to punish our children, and especially when it comes to pain, inflicting pain on our children. Uh, my mom and dad didn't get that message. 
they inflicted pain on me on a regular basis. Uh, But that's frowned upon. And I got to tell you, friends, we're not immune to that. It's hard for us to wrap our brains around the fact that Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, might chastise us and send pain into our lives. You see, we, we don't like that, do we? But I got to tell you, friends, like it or not, God chastises his children. God does it. Oh, listen to Proverbs 3, 11 and 12. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. And then how about Hebrews 12, 8? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his child at all. You see, friends, if God does not chastise you, that means you're not a child of God. You say, I don't like that. We don't get to choose, do we? We don't get to choose. I was telling Pastor Rocky that once you get saved and invite Jesus, you can't back out of the equation. You can't. God says, that's my child. No, I'm going to turn you around. David said, he has chastened me severely. Listen, child of God, let's let the Bible say what it means and mean what it says. He has chastened me severely. David was saying, this is not a light correction. This is painful. This hurts. It's severe. In fact, David says that it was so severe that it brought him right up to the brink of death. And the only thing that kept him from dying was that God didn't hand him over to death. Man, that's pretty rough, isn't it? Listen, uh, children and family services would not approve of the way God deals with his children at times. But there's nothing they can do about it. God loves you. He loves you so much that he'll get in your way when you decide to get out of the way. He'll get in your face. And God will inflict pain if he has to. Please remember this. Sometimes the bad things you're going through are there for a good reason and for a good outcome. Sometimes it's there for a reason. I had the privilege of uh, meeting and fellowshipping and spending some time uh, with a man who penned an amazing poem. Uh, This is how it goes. The truths of life, many and varied may be, but none are so rare as one from the sea. How the oyster at work upon the strand is pierced in his body by a grain of sand. As nature rallies and works her wonder, the outcome gives us much to ponder. For the hurt that is caused by the nettlesome grain is soon covered over with a chemical stain. As layer upon layer of bright juices unfurl, the sore gives way and becomes a pearl. Now, here's a question to ask as you struggle with life, as you feel its pain and experience its strife. Could it be that even as your problems do swirl, the God who loves you is forming a pearl? Oh, friends, why is it that we insist that everything that's painful comes from the enemy? And some of it does. And sometimes we put ourselves in in harm's way. But friends, according to the Bible, sometimes it's God. It's God working. It's his hand. 
that extremely difficult situation that you went through recently or you're going through now or you will go through pretty soon may be the hand of God. Maybe God getting your attention. Maybe God bringing you back into the path of righteousness. Maybe God strengthening you. It may be God putting a testimony in your mouth. It may be God encouraging you to turn around and make the right choices. Now, that brings us to our next point. And that is, not only did he make a positive confession, I shall not die. Not only did he make an honest confession, the Lord has chastened me, but now he makes a beautiful confession. I love this. Oh, you should remember Psalm 118 after today. Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them and I will praise the Lord. I can't, you almost have to laugh when you read this. The psalmist is saying, oh, I almost died. His hand was heavy upon me. The only thing that kept me from dying was the fact that God didn't hand me over to death. And, and, and you, get, you have to read between the lines, but you get the feeling that the psalmist is saying, enough already. Enough already. Okay, God, please open those gates. I'm coming, I'm coming back home. I'm going to enter the gates of Righteous now. Righteousness. Uh, listen to Hebrews twelve eleven. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present. But, say it with me. Uh, y'all are, I, I said this in the first service. Just hearing you say that was painful. It was like painful. It was painful. That was painful. Come on. Come on, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but what? Painful. painful. Sometimes when God deals with us, it's painful. I know this isn't popular. You're not going to hear this on the liberal networks. Sometimes it's painful, but listen to this. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruits of righteousness. To those who have been trained by it. Actually, that means if you're not so hard-headed, you ignore it. You've been trained by it. Oh, child of God. Do, Do you understand that the whole purpose of God chastising us is to bring us into the pathway of righteousness? That's, that's what he, he wants to do. I, I love this verse, and I pray it all the time. For many years, I have prayed this. Uh, I don't do it every day, but when the Holy Spirit brings it back to my mind, open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go through them. I will go through them. I, I, I challenge you, next time you're going through a hard time, a difficult time, a, a, a time of pain, Maybe rather than saying, why is this happening to me? How about saying, what do you want me to learn from this, Lord? What are you trying to teach me? Now, granted, you don't have to straighten me out theologically. I understand that the enemy comes not for to kill and to steal and destroy. And sometimes he makes an attack against you. And sometimes you need to stand on the word of God, the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. And you need to speak it and put the enemy to flight. Yes, that's true. But sometimes when you're going through things, You may need to say, Lord, is this you? Are you trying to get my attention? What do you want me to learn from this? 
Well, in the Old Testament, when it says gates, it's not the same thing that we think of when we think about gates. Um, in the Old Testament, they had cities and they had gates. They had regions or territories and walls, and there was gates. And a gate was where you entered. And, and the psalmist is saying here, open to me the gates of righteousness. <laughs> I've had enough, Lord. I don't want your chastisement on me anymore. I've been outside the region of righteousness. Now, Lord, I'm asking you to open to me the gates of righteousness. I want to move into the city of righteousness, the territory of righteousness. I, I, I want to be in that place where the atmosphere is righteousness. The psalmist said, I don't want to live outside anymore. God got my attention, and it, it really has worked. Now, child of God, can I tell you that when you choose this, you're choosing something beautiful. When you choose righteousness. Now, believe it or not, we know more than David knew. We know more than even the prophets of the Old Testament. We understand it better. We know that righteousness comes through Jesus Christ, that he is the gate, he is the door, he is the entry point, and, and that he is our righteousness. But I'm telling you, when you choose righteousness, you're choosing something beautiful. When you choose to live in the region of righteousness, oh, friends, that changes everything. Good things happen in the region of righteousness. Did you know that? Miracles take place in the region of righteousness. Healing takes place in the region of righteousness. Salvations take place in the region of righteousness. Are you praying for somebody to be saved? Oh, those prayers are a lot more likely to get answered when you're living in the region of righteousness. Angels dwell and minister in the region of righteousness. There's hope and help in the region of of righteousness. Can I share with you that there's some bad theology going around our nation right now? And I think it's because preachers are afraid um, to say things like I'm about to say. By the way, somebody told me after the first service, they said, I enjoyed that message. And I said, why? And they said, because I like to hear preachers preach a message when they don't care about growing a church. They care about presenting the truth. I'm going to give you some bad theology. There are people all over this county and you and I may have been guilty of this at times, who believe that you can live outside the region of righteousness and still claim the promises of God. Oh, friends, I've known people living in sin who say, oh, I'm asking God for a miracle. And I'm not going to tell God what he can and can't do, but I'm going to tell you, friends, that when the Bible says... All the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. It might as well say all the promises of God are yea and amen in his righteousness. In Christ. So friends, uh, maybe it's time for some of us to change our address. And to move into the region of righteousness. Now there's another passage of scripture I want to read to you. And boy, this is so meaningful uh, to me. It's Deuteronomy 5.10. It says, these are the words of God now, but I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. Isn't that incredible? 
You say, is that literal or figurative? I don't really know, but I do know this. God is saying that when you choose right, when you choose righteousness, when you choose my word and you choose obedience, you're not just affecting your own life. You're touching generations to come. You're reaching down through time and touching generations you'll never see. I will, I will visit my unfailing love. One day your great, great, great grandchild may just stop and say, why is this happening to me? Why is God blessing me? Why is his favor following me? And they may not know, but it's because you chose righteousness and God is faithful to his word. I'm fully convinced with all my heart. I'm convinced that the favor of God will be on my children, on my grandchildren, on my great-grandchildren, and my great-great-grandchildren. I fully believe that with all my heart. Why? Because I have chosen righteousness. I have chosen the righteous one. I, I have chosen the region of righteousness. Like David, my soul cries out, open to me the gates of righteousness, and I will go through them. And I will praise the Lord. Now you may be looking at me and say, Pastor Jones, you must think you're righteous. No, you weren't listening. I never said anything about me except my choice. You see, friends, <laughs> if you knew how many times I had to hit my knees and repent, you probably wouldn't even want to hear me preach today. But I can tell you, when I fall on my face, while I'm down there, I repent and I get up and I choose righteousness all over again. I just keep choosing righteousness. Oh, I may, I may fail before this day is over, but I'm going to get up and choose righteousness again. And it is that choice that makes all the difference when you choose righteousness. Now, there's a growth process, but just keep choosing righteousness. I found something and I want to read this to you. This is pretty amazing about, about generational blessings and generational favor. In 1874, a member of the New York prison board noticed that there were six people from the same family serving in one of the prisons. He was intrigued and did a study. He traced the family line back to a man by the name of Max Jukes. Jukes was born in 1720. He was known in town as a troublemaker, a heavy drinker with no integrity. He married a woman just like him. They had six daughters and two sons. 1,200 of their descendants were studied. Of those, 310 were homeless. 180 were alcoholics. 161 were drug addicts. 150 were criminals. While seven of them committed murder. Another family that lived around that same time was studied. His name was Jonathan Edwards. He was a famous theologian and the president of Princeton University. He was born in 1703 and married his wife, Sarah. He was a devoted family man. They remained married for 31 years until his death. They had 11 children. Listen to this. 1,400 of their descendants were studied. Among them, 13 were college presidents. 66 were professors, 100 were attorneys, 85 were authors of classic books, 
32 were state judges, 66 were physicians, and 80 were holders of public office, including three governors, three U.S. senators, and one vice president of the United States. Oh, friends, you make the right choice. And it goes for generations. The favor of God. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that follows you... uh, will walk in righteousness, but I'm telling you that when you make the right decisions, the favor of God will visit them and give them that opportunity to walk it out. Now, some of you did this a long time ago, and I applaud you for this, but if you haven't done this already, you should do this. You should be a chain breaker. You should be a generation changer. Listen, you you don't have to do service to your parents. You can love your mom and your dad and your grandmother and your grandfather. But if they were not walking in righteousness, you can keep loving them and you can be a chain breaker. You can change generations to come. Uh, it, it, it makes a difference. It makes a tremendous difference when you do that. I'd like for our team to come to the stage as I read these lyrics. Listen, listen carefully. If you've been walking the same old road for miles and miles, if you've been hearing the same old voice, tell the same old lies. If you're trying to fill the same old holes inside, there's a better life. There's a better life. If you've got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom or saving, he's a prison-shaking savior. If you've got chains, he's a chain breaker. Oh, would you stand with me, please? Father, right now, I pray that you will stir us up to the point that we can believe your word. I ask, Lord, that we'll walk out of here today making positive confessions. I shall not die but live and declare the the works of the Lord. I pray that you'll give us the understanding to make honest confessions and to realize that sometimes you chastise us, but it's because you love us and you want to bring us back into line. And then, Heavenly Father, I pray that every one of us, I I pray that I'll do it again, and everyone here will do this, to make a beautiful confession. I choose righteousness. Open to us the gates of righteousness that we might walk through them is our prayer of faith in Jesus' name.